welcome to the Sassy Sales Podcast. In this episode, we meet Parker Idy, who's the Head of Sales Development at Jiffle Now. And if you're an SDR leader at a company that runs conferences, you're going to want to know more about Jiffle Now. Parker is also the past winner of our Sassy Impact Award for professional progress and contribution to the community. He shares tactics for navigating one of the hardest career transitions, from being a peer to a manager of your friends. Parker gives us his tips for early warning signs an SDR isn't going to work out. And he's best known perhaps for the culture he's built in his teams. He's going to share his secret sauce. Let's get into it. All right, and today I'm with Parker Idy. Really stoked to be with you today, Parker. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing really good, Matt. How are you? Yeah, awesome. Good to connect with you. Uh, I was excited to chat today because good to connect. something something uh, people wouldn't know about you, uh, perhaps, is that you were our inaugural, our first uh, Impact Award winner at Sassy. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 No, I was, uh, I was really proud to, to receive that award as it was definitely, uh, probably one of the biggest achievements I've completed so far. Well, yeah, you had tough competition, so you should be proud. It's awesome. And uh, we're actually going to talk about that period in your career, uh, later on today. I'm excited to, uh, share with people, but you have come up through the ranks of, uh, uh, sales development management. Um, keen to understand you're, you're Jiffle now, right? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, yeah. what you're doing there and what uh, Jiffle now does? Yeah, definitely. So we're the, uh, leader in meeting automation. So, you know, we've automated the marketing process, we've automated the sales process, but what we haven't automated is the meeting process. So we're helping uh, companies like, uh, you know, Dell, EMC, Splunk, what them do is automate the process of scheduling, managing, and analyzing all their B2B meetings at all of their trade shows and events. Um, so we're in the event management industry. Um, you know, we're helping event marketers and marketing people uh, manage all the meeting rooms, manage all the chaos at events, get all those analytics, uh, see how that event impacted pipeline, everything like that. Um, so I joined here about eight months ago. Um, I was recruited by uh, my VP of sales that I worked with at RiskWise, and they were looking for you know someone to take over the SDR department. And he gave me a call, and after a few months, it was just clear that I needed to come over. Um, so I came here. I took over a team of uh, four SDRs at the time. Um, and we are in the, the enterprise space, so it was nice kind of getting to hire kind of a little bit more of a higher tier player um, from when I previously worked at Riskalyze in more of a junior role. Um, so now I've built up a team of six and growing, uh, managing, you know, all the outbound, inbound, um, cold outreach here. The cool thing that we're doing that I don't think a lot of teams are doing is we're actually going and prospecting at events and trade shows. So you know, what's unique about our role is, you know, the pain that we solve is a pain that, you know, our personas we're selling to are feeling at trade shows and events. So what better way than to go and talk to them when they're feeling that pain, when they're managing all those meeting rooms and all this chaos going on at their booth at these events. Um, so we go, we travel. I just got back from Dubai. I was at the Arab Health Show. Um, you know, scheduled 14 uh, new opportunity meetings over there. Um, you know, in four days, it was really good to just go and connect with a lot of great companies. And, you know, we're doing that probably 10 or 12 times uh, a quarter now. 
That's amazing. Yeah, I can't imagine how good that must be. Striking while the iron is hot, while they're feeling the pain. They're at these trade shows. And in fact, a lot of people listening to this interview, uh, I'm sure feel the same uh, pain, especially folks running SDR teams that have got to send their SDRs, uh, not only to, to uh, set up appointments for AEs, but to attend the shows, be on the stands and do all that good stuff. So I think super relevant. Um, and look, you mentioned Riskalyze. So you, you followed your VP over. And I, I did want to start there actually and talk about this because you've got a really great story to tell. Uh, you're uh, living outside of um, uh, a main city. Uh, in fact, you're closer to Sacramento than, than San Francisco. And yep. you've had a couple of shots now building SDR teams out there, but your first time as an SDR was at Riskalyze, right? And if I remember correctly, yep. you were there less than a year in that individual contributor role when you were promoted to be a manager of SDRs, right? Um, so I would love for you to share kind of like what your success formula looked like. If you reflect back now, thinking about what you did and what differentiated you as an SDR to become a manager, what was it do you think that made you stand out? I think I just came in day one as kind of a natural leader, right? I, I've just, I've never needed the, the management title or to be in a leadership position to provide mentorship and coaching and support to anybody on my team anywhere, whether it was playing sports or in friend groups or planning some sort of trip. I'm always the guy that's in charge. I always want to put everything together. I want to help everyone and I just want to make it all happen. And so I think I just did that from day one at Riskalyze. I just really showed up. I was super passionate on the phones. I was really loud. Um, they had to move me. I think I moved desk at least 10 times. No AEs wanted to sit by me. I was just super loud and passionate on the phone. I spoke with a ton of conviction and confidence from day one. Um, and I think that just really set me apart from everybody else. Everyone could hear me. They could see me hitting quota. They could see my success. And I just always led by example. Um, you know, I wasn't that guy that was goofing off or that no one took seriously. I was the guy that came into the office. I was kind of the no BS kind of guy. Wanted to come into the office, get my job done, hit quota, and really just develop my skills to, you know, figure out what that next step was going to be. And, and really, when I first started there, I thought that was going to be an AE role. I wanted to go into the individual contributor role. Um, and I was working very hard. I would come in, I would schedule three meetings by noon. And then after lunch, I was doing just whatever I could learn how to be an AE. Shadowing demos. I was doing mock calls with, you know, um, the sales managers or, you know, different AEs. And I was really just building my case on why I needed to get promoted. Um, I think I first tried to get the job three months in. Um, and I pretty much got destroyed in my interview and left with my tail between my legs, seeing that I knew nothing that I thought I did. Um, so really it came to, uh, my boss at the time got let go. Um, from, from the company and we didn't have a manager for gosh, I think it was like two months because we didn't have a director of SDR either. So they're waiting to fill the director role and let the director decide who's going to be the new manager. And so we were kind of left in limbo. And so day one manager got let go. I brought everyone into the room and I said, all right guys, we're a bunch of individual contributors here just because we don't have a manager. doesn't mean our quota changes. doesn't mean our job changes at all. Right. We just don't have someone here to support us every day, but we have each other, right? And we're still gonna come in and make our dials. Nothing's gonna change, right? 
So let's just continue doing what we're doing. And then let's have a team meeting, you know, once or twice a week to kind of collaborate as a team and check in. And so we just started doing that. And so I kind of just started unnaturally managing the team um, from that day that, you know, we were without a manager. And so then when it came around to the interviews for the SDR manager spot, I didn't put my name in the hat because I'm like, I want the AE role. Um, you know, I was already working towards that. I'm very close to signing an offer letter. Like I thought that was the direction I wanted to go into. And, uh, you know, one of the directors kind of pulled me aside. I was like, I really think you should throw your hat into the management role as well. Like it would just be good to have, you know, two different roles you could go into. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess it couldn't hurt. So I, I put my name into the hat. Um, I had an interview with the VP of sales and a couple of the sales managers and it went really, really well, but they asked me the really tough question of what do you want more? Do you want to be an AE? Or do you want to be an SDR manager? And I knew my long-term goals was I wanted to lead a sales team and eventually be a VP of sales. And if I chose the AE role over the management role, it would show that I wanted nothing to do with management. And I thought it would pigeonhole me forever in my career. So I said, I question you know, it, they time. were basically asking me, okay. So I, 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 it sounds like you kind of assumed some of the responsibilities of the role, leadership roles uh, by bringing people together, making those meetings happen, supporting. Um, I really think for the folks listening who are SDR managers uh, or aspiring SDR managers, um, talk to me about the transition from peer to manager, because that's a big one, right? It's like, who are you to be my boss now and tell me this stuff? Can you, what did you, what did you learn? What did you do to make sure that that was like a smooth transition? How, why do you think that was successful? Because it was. Yeah, I think this was really hard, not particularly for me, but it could be particularly hard for somebody who maybe didn't lead by example. Um, I think really to go from peer to manager, you have to be somebody that the team already looked up to. Um, somebody who really carried themselves well, did their job well, hit quota. Because I think the problem is if you take somebody that wasn't any of those things and put them in the management role, it's hard for people to take them seriously. Um, and so, so I think that's do, important. Did you do anything in advance of the transition? Like, let's think about this example. If you're having one-on-ones with your SDRs, uh, you know, after you're taking the role, um, some of those SDRs, I'm guessing, are almost as good as you, I'm assuming. Um, you know, right. and so, so was there, did you treat them any differently? Did you have any special conversations versus say the brand new SDRs? Did you, any, anything that you can share? I always played that player coach mentality. So, you know, even though I was trying to coach them, I wanted to show that I could do the job just as good. And so we were all about competition. And so, especially with the, you know, I can think of, it was the top three people on the team. We would compete every single week and it was cutthroat. I mean, we were very passionate. I mean, it was all fun and games, but at the end of the day, they knew I could compete with them, right? But, you know, I think the greatest part about why it works so well is I didn't come in and act like I knew everything. And I didn't act like I didn't want to take any of their ideas. I wanted them to help me make the team as good as all of us, right? So that we could succeed even more. So I think that was why it worked so well. Because I didn't just come in and want to do it all my way. I'm like, hey, I've never been an SDR manager before. I've been an SDR. Right. And I know what works, but at the same time, like I want you to find the way that it works for you as well. Got it. So, so tell me this, you're known for building really good cultures. I know you people, you know, they talk about, I, I've talked to them before. They love you. They love the team. Can you give managers some 
tips by explaining how do you think, what do you think is important about the culture that you build? And then how do you do it? Maybe give us some specific examples of things you do to infuse culture in a team. I would say don't be afraid of becoming friends with people on your team, right? Like obviously you don't want to have like exclusive friendships where you're really good friends with one person and you don't pay attention to the other person, but build really good relationships with everyone on your team. Like just because you're in management doesn't mean you can't be friends with them. Go to lunch with your team. Uh, have, bring fun competitions. Uh, maybe, you know, the first five, 10 minutes of your one-on-one every week, talk to them about something other than work. Get to know them a little bit more. Um, I think that's just something I do really naturally. I'm always really naturally curious. I want to learn more about people. And so sometimes, you know, my one-on-one, sometimes they'll go 20, 30 minutes long because we just enjoy each other's conversations so much. And I get to learn so much about them. And they just feel comfortable talking to me in that sense as well. Um, you also mentioned though that you have a competitive culture. How did you actually in real life, like practically speaking, what did you do to build competition? Give me some examples. Yeah. So I would get, you know, I would jump on the phones every week and I would schedule a couple demos and I would say, Hey, let's do a competition to see who wins my demos for the week or who's going to have me call on their behalf for the week. And it would be crazy things. We do wall sits. I had a team see who could chug a LaCroix the fastest. Um, I told two guys, whoever can run upstairs and get me an iced tea and be down here, the, the fastest wins. I just, I just thought of the oh, craziest. Oh, I like that idea. Like, Slave who, labor. That's perfect. I, I might take yeah. that. Yeah. Who could, who could run around the building the fastest? Uh, um, you know, we even did like, you know, who had the most demos by the end of the week, stuff like that. It was just fun competition. Um, that everyone really enjoyed. And then other things I implemented was, Hey, if you get a certain amount of demos in a day, go home take the rest of the day off. If you just are on a hot streak and you have five demos by noon and you're on track to hit quota, take the rest of the day off. Or hey, if you're at a, a crazy amount of demos by Thursday and you're on track to hit quota, take Friday off. Like I'm, I'm all about a good work-life balance. And if you're, if you can do, you know, the job really fast and you're just really good at it, you're going above and beyond. Like I, I don't mind, you know, giving you some free time to kind of work on whatever you want. Okay, interesting. And, and now let's flip that around for a minute. You know, we all, SDR is a hard role to hire for with predictability, right? Because folks don't have as much experience, you know, so you're going to get some folks who don't work out. Based on your experience, what are the signs that you think you, that you've observed where an SDR is not going to be successful beyond ramp? Is there anything that you've, your spidey sense has been able to pick up or specific metrics or things like this or behaviors, attitudes, anything like that where you, you've picked up? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, from a lot of the people I've hired, like coachability is a big thing for me. Um, I get everyone has their own way of doing things. And I think the biggest thing I've run into now is I'm hiring people who have previous SDR experience. And, you know, I was doing this a little bit at all sales too, but I didn't get to experience this much at Riskalyze. I wasn't hiring seasoned SDR people. And I think what I've found is a lot of these people have done the job before, so they assume that they know how to do everything and they don't really need my help. Um, but I want someone who wants to come in and learn how we do SDR work, right? Um, so I'm looking for somebody who's coachable, um, but I also want to find somebody who fits in well with the team as well, because we do have some people that have been here for a couple of years. So we've got a really good team culture. And so I want to make sure the people that I'm bringing on match that culture as well. Um, you know, they're fun people. Um, you know, they get along with everybody. Like they want to win. They want to be successful. Like they have very high um, goals for themselves. 
Um, also people who are just really hungry on like moving up, I've found have been super successful. I, I think you have to set realistic expectations in this case. Like I would never tell somebody that, you know, they could get promoted after six months, but I would definitely say it's possible. But I think, you know, with those people, you can really encourage them to go above and beyond dangling that carrot of that next step that they want to move into. And, and you can give them a lot of great personal development. Um, and I think I've done that by, I've built out uh, career paths for everybody here um, at Jiffle Now. And I do it day one. I want to see, hey, these are the three avenues you can take from the SDR role. What do you think makes the most sense to you? And here are the things that the hiring manager is looking for that you can work on in the SDR role to meet those kind of pillars that they're looking to hire from. Awesome. Um, Let's talk about that for a second in terms of development, encouraging, coaching, maybe from the other end of it though. What's the title of your current boss? What, what role do they have? Um, so I'm actually now reporting to the VP of sales. Okay. So if a VP of sales, and this is a common thing, a VP of sales is, is supporting and, and looking to develop and getting the best out of uh, someone who's running an SDR team. What advice would you have for the VP of sales in terms of how best to support you? Yeah, definitely. I would say what my boss does a great job of is he really does a great job of going to bat with me, uh, going to bat for me, sorry, um, on some of the things that I need, uh, whether it be support from other people in the company, maybe some budget for some sort of a technology that I need um, or a training that I want to go to. He's just really good at knowing that if I'm bringing it up, it's something that I need and he has no problem going to bat for me and, and um, you know, Get, getting me what I need uh, to be successful. And I think the other thing is too, he doesn't micromanage how I manage my team. He's very hands-off in that sense, right? So he wants to kind of be hands-off of me unless I need help with something, right? So he kind of wants to be there to be my mentor, but he's not somebody that's looking over my shoulder every day going like, hey, you know, I didn't see this person on the phones at this time, or, you know, why is this number not... It, it, it just, I, I couldn't, I don't know if I could deal with some, uh, somebody micromanaging me every day. And I, I know, you know, middle management can be really tough. Um, and I think the last thing is he keeps me in the loop on everything. I feel like, especially in middle management, you feel like maybe you're not in the loop on what's going on within the company. Um, and sometimes you can just feel a little bit disconnected from senior leadership and really what's going on. He does a really good job at trusting me and kind of filling me in on everything that's going on within the heart of the company. So I feel super connected here. I feel like I'm really a part of the company. I really know what our, our mission and, and what we're trying to accomplish is. Um, that's great. And I would say the, the last thing is letting, you know, obviously they want to grow out of the SDR manager role. So letting them take on, um, you know, other responsibilities to help them grow. You know, I told them I want to be a VP of sales one day. So you say, okay. Well, here, here's a bunch of stuff I don't like to do as a VP of sales. Why don't you do them for me? And now, then, you, then you can learn them. Um, so I've kind of been taking over all the sales ops stuff for him, um, which has been really fun for me to kind of try something different and you know get a little bit more responsibility. Oh, that's, that's really great. Um, so if you were trying to summarize sort of your philosophy on 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 careers, on on personal growth development, and being successful in the role you have. In a sentence or two, how would you synthesize it down? Like you're saying to a young person, here's how you need to think about it. What would you say in terms of your personal philosophy? Stop thinking about where you are today and start thinking about where you could be in the future. 
too many people get stuck in the job they're in today and the problems they're facing today instead of looking at where could I be at five years from now. Love it. Love I'm an SDR today, but five years from now, I could be managing a sales team. Like it's it's possible. And I think anybody can just look at that. I, I'm thinking of the bets, uh, the bets compensation guide that you sent out today. Mm-hmm. You should be looking at what what's the next step up, and and especially if money is important to you, or or maybe it's just success. But looking at that too, like where where could I be, and how long could that take me to get there? Got it. That's great. And the last one, our interview series is only with alumni, right? So uh, folks who haven't done the SASE training, um, how would you describe the impacts it's had or the, or, or, on your career and why should people think about doing it? It's, it's huge. It shaped my whole philosophy of how I run my team every single week. Um, you know, I work for a super young startup. No one knew how to do any of this stuff. And so I went to you know, the first SASE sales management training. And I learned, all right, this is how I do one-on-ones. This is how I do QBRs. This is how I hire people. Here's how I manage people. Here's how I do forecasting. Here's how I talk to people about taking ownership of their numbers. And plus getting to sit in a room full of people who are all in the same boat as me made me feel a heck of a lot better because, you know, me fresh into SaaS, fresh into startup land, I'm thinking we have all these problems going on, but really they're not problems at all. They're just common challenges that every company our size was running into. And there was 20 people in that room that were all going through the same challenges that we were. And just seeing, you know, how they were overcoming it and being able to share their stories was really awesome to talk to them as well. Plus the friendships that I made from, you know, going to the the networking events and, you know, having drinks with a lot of great people that I honestly would have never met, especially me living up in the country up here. Um, I would have never built out these really great relationships down in San Francisco wasn't for uh, the Sassy Sales Management Alumni Program. Oh, that's awesome, Parker. Hey, super helpful. So thank you so much for giving us uh, your insights today. Uh, and so if people want to connect with you, um, I'm assuming they can find you on uh, LinkedIn. Um, your, 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 your name's spelt here in the interview so people can look you up. Yeah, um, and of course, yeah reach, reach out now, to me on I'm LinkedIn. Gonna... Huh? Reach, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love when people reach out. Um, I'm, I'm not famous yet, so I won't charge you for my time, but, uh, I love connecting with people. And if you want to jump on a call and talk about strategy or questions or anything like that, I love learning new things and talking to new people. Awesome. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Parker. It was great hearing your stories. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it.